Welcome to When God Breaks Through, a podcast designed to look at the messy moments in motherhood and show how the gospel applies in practical ways, giving us hope and grace as we interact with our own kids. You'll hear crazy stories and life lessons from my mothering of eight kids. But more importantly, you'll hear the hope Jesus offers us for peace and not anxiety, for grace both for ourselves and to extend to our kids, and wisdom to point them to Him. I'm your host, Bethany Kimsey. Welcome back to The Kitchen Table. This week, I'm going to encourage you, if you can, to grab a cup of coffee to um, settle in a little bit. I really would love it if you could kind of calm and rest yourself as you listen, because today we're going to talk about a story, but it's a story that God has used to radically realign my heart in motherhood. Over the last few weeks, we have been addressing some questions that have been sparked after we did the lies of motherhood, and then I had some questions about, but I still feel so overwhelmed, so how does that practically play out? So we talked about that for two weeks, about the fact that we have got to get our vertical relationship with Jesus set before we can engage in a horizontal relationship. But when we engage horizontally with our kids, we are doing it with a heartbeat that says, hey, I'm going to study this child. I want to understand him. I want to see her heartbeat and understand even the things that she wrestles with the most, the ways that he struggles or the ways he hears the lies the easiest. So that I can then in my posture come alongside of that child and walk with them in an encouraging way, consistently pointing to the gospel, pointing to Jesus, pointing to the source of strength, the source of love, the source of grace and mercy, the one who redefines our identity. You see, when we walk with our children, humbly ourselves, recognizing that we are no different then we can extend this invitation of God's grace easily. It becomes a natural extension of the rest of our relationship with our children. And that brings us this week to a question that I have been asked a lot, which is, Bethany, okay, I am beginning to understand the idea that walking with my kids in light of the gospel means I'm walking with Jesus and I am recognizing my need for him. I understand even from last week, I'm beginning to understand a different mindset for why I would have rules in my home and that the rules do not only point to the, like the label of a bad kid because my child doesn't obey or doesn't do whatever, but actually those are the paths that I get to walk with my child where we get to unpack the story of a savior is when we have these moments where life isn't going well, where they're not quote unquote measuring up. Those are actually the places that the gospel comes to bear. So I'm getting, I'm beginning to get all that. I'm beginning to play with that and redefine my mothering in light of that But what do I do 
right here because I'm right here in it and it's not fixing itself and there's no magic wand to fix it. And just because we begin to get our mindset right, we begin to reframe our thinking doesn't mean that everything all of a sudden becomes this ah moment and motherhood becomes a wonderful fairy tale. And so the question then becomes, well, so what do I do? What do I do with, because I still wrestle with that anxiety. I still worry. I still fear that I've already messed them up. I still wonder, and I'm trying moving forward, but, and there's always that, but, but what do I do? So today I want to tell you a story that I think will help you. I pray, I pray it helps you in your, in your butt, in that space. When my kids were very young, um, we bought a new house and I got to do all the landscaping for this new house. Cause it was like, you know, you got to pick colors, paints, la-di-da. It wasn't like we were designing a house. It, it was built, but none of the, the, the pretty of it had been put in. So like I was picking plumbing and lighting and paint. And one of the things was landscaping and uh, we had a budget and I had all, all these ideas of what I wanted to do. And I sat down with them and I put in my order and I had planned it all out on paper and all the things. And the day came when all of that was being delivered. And I remember going out there and I was so excited. Oh my gosh, I was so excited. I had picked out this beautiful ornamental tree for the front yard. I'd picked a Japanese cherry tree. I picked out some crepe myrtles because I mean, we live in the South, so <laughs> they do great down here. Um, I had picked out some different things. And one of the things that I had picked out was an oak tree. And I was so excited. I knew exactly where I was putting that oak tree in the front yard. And I just had all these visions of how in a few years it would be just so beautiful and we would love it and have picnics under it and read books under it. I had glorified this oak tree and how amazing it would be. And they pull all my things. I probably had 10 trees and I don't know, know, gobs of bushes, 50, I don't know, azaleas, had all sorts of bushes, tons of bushes, tons of then plantings and ornamental grasses and all that stuff. Pull it all off, put it all around. And I'm walking around looking at it all and I'm like, huh, they must not have delivered everything because I don't see my oak tree in here. And um, they are laying out all the landscaping where it's going to go, where they're going to put it in and still not seeing my oak tree. And um, finally I asked the guy in charge and I said, uh, is there another load that's going to be delivered later? And he, you know, he said, no, ma'am. And I said, well, I ordered one of the things I remember buying was an oak tree and I, and I'd even like picked out a specific kind of oak tree because there are different kinds or whatever. And I was like <laughs> trying to be like, I just don't see my oak tree. And he goes, Oh, it's here. No, it's over there. And he points to this pile of shrubs. And I'm like, my oak tree is, is over there with the shrubs with the azaleas. And he said, yes, ma'am. It's, it's just right there. See it right there. And he's like pointing, like I'm going to be able to see it. And y'all go over there and all that, all I saw were shrubbery. That's all I saw. And I was like, 
mm, I do not. I came back. I said, I do not see the oak. I began to argue with him and, and he goes, no, ma'am, it's right here. And he picks it up and it was the size of a very, very small azalea bush. It was like tiny. I'm like, no, I, I paid a lot of money for my oak tree. This is not what I bought. I bought something that was much more than this. And he's like, no, ma'am, this is, this is what I bought. This is what you bought. This is it. And I was so upset about the state of my oak tree that day. I mean, that I kind of stomped in the house and kind of fussed and cried a little bit, went back out and decided I was going to relegate my oak shrub to the backyard corner of the lot because what good would it do me it wasn't going to grow it was stinky small I knew now there was never going to be a picnic under it with us all reading books and I felt a little mad even that I'd spent so much money on this shrub is what I called it and I I referred to it as my oak shrub for years I was mad at it for years and ignored it in the backyard and then one day I went outside with um, just a heart that was overwhelmed. It had been a hard morning and uh, a morning of attitudes and encounters of like disobedience and disrespect and people being mean to one another and nobody's getting their work done. Nobody wants to do work because we were homeschooling fully at the time and nobody was wanting to do their homeschool that day. And, just, it was yucky. It just classified as a yucky day. I was not behaving well either anymore. Like it's not just a kid thing. Like, it, you know, sin is contagious. Everybody catches it. And, um, we all had it. And I had, wa- I walked outside mid morning. Really, I was just going to go pull weeds and be by myself and pray. And, um, we'd had a storm the night before and I walked out And directly across the street from us, our neighbors had also moved in at about the same time we did. And they had done their landscaping at about the same time we had. And it had been a few years. And I remembered when they had done their landscaping that they had planted along both sides of their driveway. They had planted Bradford pears. And I, after my oak shrub debacle, had fussed for years about the fact that I should have just spent all that money. I could have gotten some huge Bradford pears for the amount of money I spent on my oak shrub. And I would have had good sized trees by now and they would have all that. And I walked outside that day with my huffy heart over my children. And the first thing I saw as I walked out was that in the night, in the storm, one of their big Bradford pears had split in two. It was laying across the driveway, crushing one of their cars Um, a big fat mess. And in that moment, God said something to me. He said, you know, Bethany, you are walking out here with a huffy heart over your kids and you're not sure you're not totally messing them up. You're discouraged. You don't think it's worth it. He goes, but I want you to understand something in your motherhood. It is a lot like your landscaping. You want Bradford pears, but I'm a God who plants oaks of righteousness. And that's what I'm about with your children, if you will let me. 
And I remember standing there staring at them and they were having a yard crew at this point. I walked over, talked to my neighbor, you know, the whole thing. They were going to have to just, everything was a mess. And um, the Lord just cracked open my heart that day about my kids using a Bradford pear that he saw fit to crack into across the street. Because see, often what I was doing as a mom, standing in the middle where I was understanding maybe the rules of the home, everything was overwhelming. It was hard, but man, I was trying to center myself in Jesus. I was wanting to walk humbly with him and share Jesus with my kids. And I wanted to display the gospel and I was seeking to, and I was seeing no fruit and my heart was huffy and I was upset and God in essence said Bethany I'm not about making Bradford pears sweetie and so for you you may look around and and I think one thing I was very guilty of is I would look at other families that I saw whose kids were the same age as mine or maybe a little bit older And I was like, man, I mean, look at all, look at what they're doing. Look at how amazing they are. These people are great. Their kids are amazing. Everybody loves Jesus. Their kids aren't disrespectful. Their kids aren't, um, you know, and labeling all the ways my kids were, whatever I wanted to label them. And, and then I would follow with, it's me. I must be doing something wrong. This is never going to work. It's not going to work. And y'all, first of all, and we've talked about this and talked about this and talked about this, but, you know, our whole job with our kids is to continually be returning to the truth of the gospel. But it's that is it's not an ATM machine where you put your card in and you get out exactly the amount that you want. It's it's not. This is Holy Spirit driven work that you and I are invited to be a part of. And so we're going to have to lay down the maybe American performance culture that says, if I put in X, then I get this result of Y. And instead, we need to understand we're on a spiritual battlefield and there's a battle going on for the hearts and the minds of our kids. And God is at work. And he invites us to be at work and we get to be at work as an ambassador of reconciliation. Like we talked about last week, we get to pray fiercely because we understand the battlefield and what is at stake and what is raging. And we're going to talk about that in weeks to come. But then we, we also understand that God's timing is not our timing. And that does not mean he is not at work. So just because we do not see fast fruit, we are not going to discount his tending to that tree, that child, right? So I thought when I went inside after this oak tree, I mean, after I saw the Bradford pear tree dead in my neighbor's yard, I was like, you know, that's weird that God would, (laughs) that's a weird statement. That God would say, like, well, I mean, okay. But I said, you know, it's it's worthy. Do you ever have these where all of a sudden you have this thought and you know it's not yours? And so you're like, I better, I better investigate. And I want to share with you the difference between a Bradford pear and an oak of righteousness. 
First of all, do you know that oak of righteousness is a scriptural term? So it comes from Isaiah 61, 3. And, um, and so I think that that's important that we understand that that's what God was referencing in that moment, um, even if I wasn't fully aware of what he was referencing, which I was not at that, at that moment. Um, but Isaiah 61, 3 says um, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Um, Psalm 1 and Jeremiah 17 are two other passages that I would encourage you to go and read if this word picture, this story resonates with you. This is God's heartbeat for the men and the women of God that he is raising our kids to be, that they will be righteous oaks, deeply planted with roots that go down deep. So let's look real quick at the difference between a Bradford pear and an oak. So Bradford pears, Bradford pears, if you are not, I don't know if they're just a southern tree. Um, I'll be honest, I don't know. But they are a beautiful tree that's very easy to grow and very um, fast growing. So in the south, it is a logical choice for somebody to landscape their yard with. Because in the south, we desperately want shade. It's super hot here. And a Bradford pear will um, leaf out early in the spring. They're one of the earlier trees to get their leaves back. They bloom out like a blossom. Honestly, I think it's kind of stinky personally, but it is something. Um, and, and it's, but it's a very big tree. The, um, the branches grow very quickly. So it, it creates like a visual impact. It's seen, it's noticed in a yard, but a Bradford pear's root system is very interesting. You know, a Bradford pear has very shallow, high roots. And what I mean by that is actually when a Bradford pear grows, if you're not careful and if you haven't planted it in just the right spot, the roots will actually come up basically right under the top layer of the soil and create havoc in your yard where your um, lawnmower is bumping over them. If it's planted too close to a driveway, the roots can cause your driveway to kind of buckle or crack. Um, and also the roots wind around each other, right around the base of the tree. So where you see a Bradford pear, then typically all right around it within a foot or two is all these humps and bumps of all the root system just growing right there. It has a very narrow root ball, even when you plant it. And then it has a short trunk that goes up and then very quickly branches that go out. But, you know, I don't know about you, but nobody, I have, I have never met anybody who has any furniture made out of a Bradford pear tree. And that's for a reason. The Bradford pear um, wood is very weak. It's easily um, broken. It's um, it's just not good for building. Nothing is built out of Bradford pear wood. I don't know if it would be called Bradford wood or anyway, it doesn't matter. Nothing's built out of it. You're not going to use that wood. You're going to burn it, you know, in a fire, but you're not going to use it for anything sturdy. And when a storm comes, when wind blows, 
when there is just a, a bad um, front or a cold, even a cold snap sometimes, the tree trunks will snap. And oftentimes, most oftentimes what happens is this Bradford pear has shot out these branches so fast, has such a short trunk that these branches will shoot out and then they get almost too heavy and the wind blows or there's too much rain, too much precipitation or a little bit further north where you do get snow, a little bit of snow and the tree just in essence cracks into, which is what happened at my neighbor's house in the night. So that's a Bradford pear, but man, it looks pretty. And when you are trying to get quick visual impact, it looks good. It looks really good. It might look really good for 20 years. The lifespan of a Bradford pear, though, is about only 20 years. It usually then cracks and that causes it to die. So then let's look at the difference. God made this difference through this attention to me, right? So, I mean, okay, that's the root system of a Bradford pear. That's the growing conditions of a Bradford pear. That's the strength of it. And um, that's what it does. Well, let's look at an oak, shall we? An oak system, an oak's root system is way different than a Bradford pear. So Bradford pear has the narrow root ball, shallow roots. They're high. They wind around each other. The oak tree actually has something called a taproot system. It almost looks like a V where um, it's like almost, I don't know if you want to picture like the concept of like a carrot running down. That is the, the main root ball going down into the ground. And then it sends um, <clears throat> rootlets out from this one thick root. But this first thick root must get established, fully established before any rootlets will run out from it. That's the first thing that has to happen. Then, as the um, the tree begets established, meaning that this root, this taproot is established down in the ground, and that takes years, then you will begin to see rootlets run out from it. If we could dissect the ground and look, and think about the one that was growing in my backyard at this point. It had not grown big. It was still my oak shrub. It just looked like a dinky shrub. But it was trying to establish its taproot system going down. And then it was sending rootlets out. And in my research, what I realized is that the rootlets only will begin to grow when the taproot is established. And then they grow four to seven times the diameter of the crown of the oak. Meaning, and the crown of the oak is from one side of the oak branches to the other. That's the crown. So almost like a, almost like the diameter. Yeah, it's the diameter of the, the top of the oak tree. Um, it will grow, the rootlets grow four to seven times that. So my little oak shrub in the backyard, I walked out and looked at it. And it probably had a diameter of about three feet. Which meant, because it was established and it was beginning to grow at this point, we were four years later, that its rootlets were probably 16. So if it was three to, say, say like it was four feet across, may have been, maybe that was probably giving it some grace there, but four feet across, it's either 16 feet in rootlets or it could all the way be all the way up to 28 feet in my yard of rootlets growing to anchor this oak shrub that I had in my front yard 
or my backyard. But what happens is when these rootlets are slowly growing away and they're pacing at that four to seven times the outside size, the under the ground size is four to seven times bigger than that. What's happening with that pacing is that is allowing that oak tree to be cemented or locked into place. It also ensures that the growth is good, meaning it is nutrient rich. And therefore, what do we know about an oak tree? Their lifespan, 20 years is nothing to an oak tree. An oak tree hadn't even started in 20 years. I don't know what I was thinking about wanting to put a picnic blanket under an oak tree with my own kids, maybe my grandkids. But an oak tree lives for hundreds of years. And they're very hard to uproot. In fact, most people, when they drive by and they see a really, really old oak tree that's uprooted, they're like, wow. What is that? It's stunning. And it's a huge loss. Oh my goodness, such a loss. Because it's been a huge beauty. But it starts slow. It starts really slowly. So God began to use these two pictures for me. And began to say, Bethany, I am pursuing your child. I am pursuing your child in a manner that seeks to grow a root system in them that you cannot see. And growth may not be visible. And I am asking and inviting you to keep plowing the ground. Keep removing the weeds. Be committed to your shrubbery. He says, I am pursuing your child. Are you willing to walk with me as I do this? Are you willing to trust me as I establish a root system that you cannot see? Bethany, are you willing for my timing to be your timing? Even if it means that a taproot system has to grow for years, years, and there's no growth on the surface. You see, because I don't think it's a mistake that God says I'm growing an oak of righteousness. You know, if we look in Jeremiah 17 and we look at what he says about a tree, he says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes for its leaves remain green. He is not anxious in a year of the drought, for he does not cease to bear fruit. You know, in Psalm 1, his picture of the tree looks so similar to this. He says in Psalm 1, he says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, or stands in the way of sinners, or sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. We want our children planted by the living water. We want their roots finding the nutrition that Jesus alone provides. We want their root system to be so established that when this world rocks them, It doesn't split them. 
when the winds come and blow, that they are not shaken to the core and uprooted. When fire comes, that they are able to withstand and not be afraid because they are absolutely solid with their God. But that some days is not obvious to us in the moments that we live with our kids. And so I began to enter into the seasons then holding tight to Jesus's hand when I felt overwhelmed, identifying and being a student of my child, studying them, understanding what were the threats to their root system, what were the things that I could address and talk to with them that would point them to Jesus, helping them see their great need for a Savior based on the fact that, you know, hey, this displays how much you need Jesus. But not from a standpoint of shaming, condemning, or even being discouraged myself. But constantly going back to God in prayer, going, God, I am asking you to build an oak of righteousness in this child. I am trusting you for a root system that goes deep. Help me to be a part of it, to be on your team, to be praying for your activity, to be constantly pointing to you and reminding my child of you. Help me to respond with compassion and with grace in the moments that are hard. And God, I'm going to commit to this for the long run. I'm not going to commit for the first four years of their life. I'm not even going to commit until they hit their teenage years and then throw my hands up. In fact, God, I'm not even going to have the mindset that this is done when they turn 18. God, I'm in this until the day I die. I'm praying for it. I'm standing in the gap interceding for their root system. I will, every moment I'm invited, speak of your great love for them, of your redemption for them and their need for you. I will forever pivot to you, God, until I stand before you. Because that, Mama, that's our holy invitation. And the rest, the rest is spirit-driven work. It is not ours to do. It's not ours to own. You cannot make a root system go down. You can't. And the reality is there are many, many people that you can probably think of And their kids have looked okay or have looked good on the surface for some years. And it might be more because those kids got along better. Or they knew how to put on a front. They might have been a Bradford pear child. (laughs) And so for some of us out here that are listening, you need to know that God is a God who works in the growth of a root system that you cannot see. But he invites you and he invites me to pray. And he invites us to join him in that work. In the ways that we interact with our children over their sin. The ways we um, care for their hearts. The ways we identify and understand the motives. Understand the lies that might be besetting them. 
the way we stand in the gap when they are under assault and we put our shield up, the ways we do battle for them. Y'all, we, that's what we get to do. We can't build their root system, but God is at work building their root system. And so in the days where it feels like nothing's happening, my encouragement, my invitation is, will you join me instead in interceding for an oak to be growing? I invite you to my kitchen table every week because in real life, this is the moment that we would then identify the exact ways we're going to pray for our child. What rootlets need to be growing that we see, the things that we don't, we'll be praying for our own attitudes as we're engaging with difficult children, hard places, sad places, whatever it is, we would pray together. This is where you need community. You need to get yourself inside of a relationship one-on-one, in a group, smaller group, someplace where you can be completely honest and say, this is what I need to pray about in my home for my kids, for me. And it may be, I, I can't, I'm struggling. I get so hung up on them doing the right thing. And it's so hard for me when a rule is broken. It just makes me offended. And I, it's hard for me to understand that rules are put there to point to Jesus. Or maybe you say, and, and I'm saying that because I've said that before. So, you know, maybe you say, I, I'm utterly discouraged. I see no traction. I see no change. I see no fruit in my kids, none. And everyone around me, they all have fruit. And I am being filleted alive by the flaming arrows that say, you have messed it all up. And that's why your kids are in such a in such wrecks. And y'all, we need friends to pray with us. And we need to be honest about this. In the coming weeks, we're going to try and create some forums here for that. But in today, you need to, I'm encouraging you to begin praying for a friend who can pray with you like that. Or go grab your friend who you already know can pray with you like that. Begin to intercede for Oaks. Because this next generation, God is raising up oaks of righteousness that he will be glorified. That is what Isaiah 61, 3 says. And we get the privilege of praying for that and watching them grow. Until next week, you can reach me on Instagram. You can reach me by email. You can reach me by my newsletter. Um, thank you for the questions. I hope this answered the question of what do we do that when I'm discouraged with my own kids. I hope you enjoyed this episode of When God Breaks Through. If you're wanting to connect with me and with other moms walking in the same messy moments, head over to BethanyKimsey.com. That's where you'll also find the show notes with any links, as well as more resources you can grab to help you see That when God breaks through, when we see Jesus at work, the fuzzy intersection of real-life mothering and the gospel becomes very clearly defined. We can walk with confidence and purpose. Have a grace-filled day.